Uh, hey, everybody, it's a trending Tuesday here, and I, I, I don't think we could officially call this Broadway Week on Sleep With Me podcast, but it kind of, I've got, bro- I guess I've got Broadway on the mind. Or I'm in a New, I'm in a New York, specifically Broadway, uh, nostalgia state of mind. And there's probably going to be another episode related to this, but the main reason or where it started was I started thinking a lot about uh, uh, the song Nothing from a chorus line due to an interaction on Twitter uh, where, uh, you don't know, Maggie and I were talking about feelings and that that song gives me the chills in a good way. And then I was thinking about dissecting that episode. So then I was like, okay. It was, and then I listened to nothing the ninth two thousand six edition Natalie Cortez uh, about uh, eh, nine thousand times maybe and you say well it's not possible I said well I say stopped I called I called super per, the super person I said stop spinning the earth man I guess some listening to do uh, so it was in a Broadway state of mind and. Um, you know, when you do that, so then I started thinking of other Broadway stuff. And, you know, then when you're an overthinker and over daydream, you start to daydream and you start to think you're about regrets. And when I go down that road, it becomes what, what this episode be a my life with the perm episode. So this is going to take also multiple layers of setting up if you're new. We don't do these My Life with the Perm episodes very much. So I'll set that up. Then I'll set up my relationship with the Broadway. I think they call it the Great White Way. And then I say, oh, boy, that's uh, it doesn't exactly encourage uh, diversity. So somebody can can get a – who do we need to get on the phone? Ethel Merman or somebody? I don't even know what Ethel – I mean, I, I don't think – is Ethel Merman related to is, – is she the ambassador of Broadway? I guess somewhere in my mind it is. I think I just look for reasons to say Ethel Merman. That's a nice uh, – but so my life with a perm, uh, I'll try to do as quick as I can, but uh, my, I don't have human hair on my head. And I can hear people, you know, knee-jerking or their partners. Wait, did he just say he doesn't have hair on his head, so he's bald? No, no, I have hair. I, I mean, I have uh, hair. I don't have human hair on my head. I have something – uh, which will, will, the easiest way to refer to it is, is I have fur, something much more similar to animal fur than human hair on my head. Yes, and I was born that way. And once you start to notice fur, you and you go out in the world, you'll see other people, uh, you know, out there on the hair margins of society. I believe I've never seen Eddie Snowden up close, but I believe he also has fur. Uh, John Ronson, I don't know if he, I think he has hair, but he has a fur-like hair. There's a couple other people that recently I talked about, they said, well, they might have fur. But what that means, they say, okay, you're, but you're blowing my mind. And I said, well, just, just try having your mind encased in, in fur instead of hair. It doesn't, doesn't do, do well for the, uh, it doesn't damage your self-esteem. It just, uh, you know, it shortens it. They say, okay. Most people's self-esteem is in a zero to one hundred level. You are, you have fur, so you you know you're going to be graded on a curve. Uh, what means? What if would I say fur? Well, that's what my dad told me. He said you have fur. 
but it's extremely straight, no natural part at all. My hair just grows out in all directions from its follicle, extremely thin, very, very thin. And you'd say, is it thinning? And I'd say, I don't know, because they, they say I've always had this, possibly, but I'm not sure. Uh, you'd say it's fine. It has my hair has no body, you know, it, it, no, but it's bodiless. And it can't be styled. It doesn't it, like so. I found one particular hair product that will somewhat control my hair at this. But I've given, you know, I've, tried, I've given up on style within the quotes, you know, like uh, for my hair. It's just not, it's just not a thing that's going to happen. Uh, so it's best to, to, you know, just keep a buzz going. Probably why I kept a buzz going for whatever, 26 years. Uh, yeah. Um, but I just get my hair buzzed, and then, but also I hate haircuts. I mean, who could be surprised about that? It, it, you know, involves people touching me. I don't like that. And, you know, it always ended in disaster. But I had this one fateful meeting, and I think about how the universe can bend or there's alternate realities, and I know there's one alternate reality that started long ago when I was just uh, in middle school, and what I believe was someone at the time that was incredibly confused to their, their brilliance, which was, a, uh, and I'll say their name because they're, I guess they're kind of a public figure, Frank Zizzo, a barber in Syracuse, New York, that me and my friends went to. And Frank, at the time, I, I don't know if his hair was naturally curly or he had a perm. I, I saw a recent picture of him and I said, I think he had a perm at the time. But he used to cut my hair, and he felt bad for me because it wasn't, you know, he, I mean, his job was just to cut it. It wasn't, he's a barber, not a styler, you know, but but, but he, even then he knew that once hair started growing on other parts of my body, I was going to be in for it because it's a, with hair like this on your head, it's going to, you know, it's going to cut down on your ch chances of finding a mate. Let's just put it that, that easy. And so Frank said to me one time, he said, why don't you grow your hair out and we'll give you a perm? And then it won't be the, he goes, I can't just can't believe how straight this is. You give you a nice little curl. I mean, he said it like a, like a nice little curl or something like that. But, uh, um, let's see. So, but I said, no, 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 no. You know, I have enough problems. The last thing I need is a perm and I know it'll be super tight and it'll probably turn green because my friends will throw me in a pool. So, you know, the call. I said, no, that was the call of adventure. And I said, no, that's not the adventure I'm, you know, I'm looking for. Uh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather just lie, like, I'll just have to deal with this. Uh, plus, I, I mean, the whole idea is totally ridiculous. You're going to give me a freaking perm. Like, uh, I mean, nowadays you do that, you get on the news, say it would become a thing. You know, but Frank was just trying to help me in his own way because he had a perm i'm sure he was like uh like flying high you know he he had this he had the barbershop at the mall you know he could go get pete the best pizza in syracuse was at this mall fair i think at the time it was fairmount fair mall maybe camilla's mall it doesn't really matter because that's where pavone's pizza was the only place you could get new york style pizza by the slice in syracuse that i was aware of and, you know, this was the, let's see, was this the 80s or the 90s? On the cusp, I think. So who, where better to work than a mall? It was like being in the John Hughes movie. I mean, except he was too old. You know, it would have been creepy, but he could have been, you know, an extra. Uh, but let's see. So 
but I always think about, geez, what would have happened? How would my life be different if I said, yes, uh, let's get a perm? And at some point in some other universe, little Andy it did get a perm, and his life was much different than mine. And so every once in a while, one of these episodes, I like to revisit what Andy's life was is like, uh, the Andy with the perm, hence my life with the perm. So that, that's setup number one. Now, setup number two is I went to university school, college in New York City in the Bronx, the Boogie Down. A borough of the city so nice they named it twice. New York, New York, one hell of a town. And it was, and it was a place I loved. And once a year, my parents would come visit me, and, and I believe it was in January. And every year we would go to a Broadway show. And even then, I was a bit like I am now. Like, I, I didn't, I, I tended the state of the Bronx and uh, I didn't, you know, get into Manhattan as much as I probably should have to enjoy. I mean, you did get to go to some student shows where you'd get really cheap tickets to Broadway shows. But I guess, like you say, geez, Andy with the perm probably went to a Broadway show every week because this was like Blue Man, the Blue Man group. This was when they were off Broadway with, when I was living in New York. I mean, the wetlands, the CBGBs, all these places, this was the heyday. And meanwhile, I was just like pulling tubes in my room, lying low. Uh, but that's not the important part. The important part is that so every year we would go to a Broadway show. In one year, and I think this was again at the height of the fame of uh, the Les Miserables, Les Miserables, uh, we went to see Les Mis. And Les Mis was this huge, I mean, I don't think, and I guess this was, like, I don't think Les Mis was as big as Hamilton, uh, because I think the only thing that was even close to as big as Hamilton was the Book of Mormon, maybe, and I don't know, I'm not a Broadway expert, uh, but uh, it was pretty big, it was pretty big, Les Mis, and, you know, Jean Valjean, and The Prisoner 1, 2, 3, 4, 89, and the rest of the characters, who's, you know, the pr- pr- Prime Minister, Pete Nice, I think he was in it. And I don't know if Horatio Hornblower, but there was, you know, the Coquette, or I don't even know, Colette, I guess I, I, I haven't listened to it uh, in a while. Uh, but it was a beautiful, beautiful musical. And we just happened, not only did we get to go to Les Mis, but one of my dad's friends, and, and I've, I barely ever had any celebrity interactions in my whole life, uh, so this was a big time one was my one of my dad's friends was dating uh, the innkeeper's wife and and she was the the show stealer like her number uh was the one that that, that was like the one everybody when you left the show she was like she wasn't the star she stole the show in the best way possible when you when you go to a Broadway show you say oh you know she really stole the show. It was awesome. And then the innkeeper's wife came. And I hope that's what it was, the innkeeper's wife. But my dad's friend happened to be dating her. And, I mean, she, like, literally, she was, people fell out of their seats. Her performance is that good. So he had arranged, he, he was not with us, but he had arranged that we would meet her after the show and get a tour behind the scenes of the Les Mis. I mean, can you imagine... Going to meet Lynn, like, uh, back in, you know, Lynn's, like, in, in, in Hamilton, like, and I've not seen Hamilton, but, you know, one day I will, like, 27, 20, 
28. Uh, uh, but, but anyway, it's not important, uh, cause I don't live in New York and Lynn's gone. So, uh, I'm sure like, uh, like I'd love to see it. Anybody, anybody, but it, let's see. So we, we were going to get to go backstage. That was my point. Uh, another cockamamie theory I have. Now, this is just a theory based on, so I was like 20 years old, maybe 19 years old when I saw Les Mis. But I'm pretty sure, and this is 100% circumstantial, so I'm not sure at all, that the in, that the innkeeper's wife at the time is a woman, woman that wrote the music uh, for Frozen. But that's not based on zero facts about that. That's just a guess. And I don't even know, I think I tried to check on the internet one time and I couldn't, I couldn't confirm, it couldn't, like I used the internet, but I couldn't confirm or deny it. Uh, so if that is the case, you know, I'm extremely proud of, of, of this actress and you could see it then that she was, she was just brilliant. But so, uh, she, she, we went outside the stage door, just like, you know, adoring fans do. And who, I mean, like other, I, think, I don't know if there was anybody else waiting to, to meet, to, but it was like, who are you? We're meeting the innkeeper's wife, you know, so people were falling, you know, they said, you got to be kidding me. And she brought us backstage and we got a tour of, you know, the backstage. And if you've been backstage at Broadway, I guess the movie Birdman uh, kind of shows what it's like a little bit. It's not glamorous, but it's so cool. Actually, Game of Thrones did a pretty accurate job, too, of just being like, you know, it's a workplace. Behind the stage, it's a workplace. And, you know, New York real estate is expensive. So most of the real estate is set uh, in the front of the house, you know. Everything else, you know, you got to be adaptable. But, I mean, to talk about a gracious act, here's someone that in Broadway terms, I mean, she was the belle of Broadway. Uh, and she took the time to show me and my parents and... I think maybe a couple other people around. And then she said to me, she, she, she took me aside and she said, would you like to meet Coquette or Colette? I don't know. Uh, the actually, and I'd fallen in love with her. I, I think during the, like both the innkeeper's wife and Colette, I don't, maybe, I don't know. Because I said, well, I don't, I can't, I'm trying to remember if the, the actress was an adult. I can't, I can't picture the ages, you know. Okay, so I just looked at it. So it's Cosette, Co Cosette, not Colette or whatever. I think I was in love with a Colette once in my life, too. Pretty sure. I'd like to know when that was. Uh, maybe twice. But so Cosette, and it, 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 like, it, like, I think there was a 20-something like a, a version of Cosette. That, that was who she was like, do you want to meet Cosette? You know, you're the same age and... She so she was like, I, I don't think she was trying to fix me up because I didn't, you know. But I always think, you know, what if I had become friends with Cassette or, you know, the actress playing Cassette and this woman? But, you know, I was very quiet and shut down and nervous. So I guess I thought, like, if we just, you know, take a, take a moment here. And I thought it would invoke the spirit of uh, Carol King, you know, now that she has a Broadway musical based on her life. Uh, you know, to help me with music. Uh, so as, uh, you know, I check and communicate with Carol King across the transverses, you know, we're stand outside probably the New Amsterdam Theater. I don't know if that's actually where I was playing, but that's, let's just say, because that sounds like a, a nice theater. And uh, we, 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 
we we feel the music that Carol King is broadcasting across, uh, you know, the different uh, realities of the universe. It's a piano sonata 13, you know, from Mozart. And as it's playing, it's coming out of the stage door. And as it opens up, we see the actress who's played the innkeeper's wife there. My dad grins and he says, you know, I think we're here for my friend. I, I, I think his name, I don't know. And, and he said, oh, she says, oh, well, come on in. And then she meets my mom, and my dad is grinning from ear to ear, excited, ready to, you know, he's cracking jokes. And my mom is grinning, you know, a little bit like me, you know, out of uh, both anticipation and awkwardness. And then I stand just on the edge of the shadows, uh, half uh, bathed in the lights of the marquee, in half in the darkness of the backstage of Broadway. And then she says, well, who is this? And I step into the light, curly locks flowing off my head, as this is my life with the perm. And I say, oh, Mozart, that sounds great. I'm... uh, I'm Andrew. Uh, Nice to meet you. you. Your performance was beyond mesmerizing. It was enthralling. And I, I know this must happen to you all the time. Since my dad's friend is dating you, uh, I fell in love with you uh, at the time. And the, the, I still can feel your performance within me. And she says, well, thank you, thank you. And he says, you, 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 I'm sure the hours and hours and hours of time you've spent I hope you get to enjoy it. And she says, well, I'm exhausted, but, uh, you know, thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming. And I see you are so gracious. We really appreciate you uh, giving us this time. And she says, well, don't you want to see the, she says, why don't we go on the stage? And I said, well, I used to tap dance. Uh, would I be able to tap dance on the Les Mis stage? And then she says, well, uh, only if you can shuffle ball step and shuffle off to Buffalo. And I say, that's about all I can, I can heel toe, heel toe as well. And so we have a chuckle, a laugh, if you will. And, you know, this is the late, late, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, no, no, it's the mid 90s, actually. I guess just may am mixed up with time. Uh, and Tommy's on Broadway. And I say, uh, they say, feel like I can hear, uh, see me, hear me, feel me, you know, leaking through the walls. And she says, you can, actually. That is from uh, Tommy. And I say, you know, this is going to sound like lunacy because I just saw Tommy. And, 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 and uh, it was great, but not the same as this, your show. Your show's life-changing. You know, I don't sing and I barely dance. And we're we're doing a... Uh, shuffle ball step discussion and she's watching me and then adjusting me and I say are you st- is the master of the house in and she has a laugh and I say is that from I mean, but, it, but she said I said you know when I when, when I watched Tommy I, I was picturing um, I, I was imagining that uh, Mike Myers was Tommy 
uh, and she laughed hysterically because she said, holy cow, I just saw it. And she goes, I'm friends with that actor. But in that wig, he does look like Mike Myers in that wig. And he said, well, thank goodness I'm not the only one. But during uh, this performance of Les Mis, my attention was so overwhelmed. You know, I was there. uh, And she says, well, thanks. Uh, She goes, you're you're a regular. uh," And and then I did did a heel toe to do, like where I put my hand out. And then I pretended I was, then I did the one where I crossed my knees and put my uh, elbow on my knee and then my fist on my chin, like I was in my hand on my hip. And she laughed at that. And I said, we're probably, I said, thank you so much. And she said, well, let's go on the rest of the tour. Uh, and it, it, I, I said, she was like, I'd love to see the, uh, the barrier. I said, how do they do that? And she said, that's the magic of Broadway, son. And I said, well, thank you for protecting me from, from, uh, and she said, you seem a little nervous though. You're, you do. She goes, could you mind me asking about your, uh, your hair? Uh, she goes, like, uh, she goes, there's just something about it. Uh, she goes, it's like, it's your hair. She goes, can I, and she said, and my parents were kind of talking and they were analyzing one of the tables, uh, and my dad wanted to lift it up to see if it was made from balsa wood. And she said, go ahead. And she goes, she goes, go ahead and lift that table up, sir. And then she said, over here, she goes, she goes, it feels like your hair is singing to me. And I said, you know, there's a curly haired woman named Carol King. And I said, this is going to sound crazy, but she broadcasts through my hair. And she said, I could see, she goes, I, I believe, she goes, I'm not here. She goes, and I said, well, it's not, I said, it's not perceptible to, uh, you know, she, it comes across in music, but, you know, music that stirs your soul. Now, I like the music of the night, but a bit, you know, not that different either. And she said, she said, she goes, and see, she goes, is that a perm? And I said, listen to this, it's a permanent perm. And she said, what is, she goes, like, she goes, uh, and I said, I said, like uh, this, uh, I go, this man, Frank Zizza, he called, called me one time because he, and I made a choice, uh, went to his barber shop, the, the one full moon, full blue moon of the year, uh, after dark, of course, that's when the moon, you know, the, like the moon's blue. And I went into his shop, it was closed, uh, but Frank was there. As soon as they closed the door, clouds covered the moon. Lightning started, and you know Frank was wearing a lab coat, which is you know. And, that, and I said, "Oh no, no! Is it a barber coat or a lab coat?" He said both. And I said, "He." And then Frank put on this. Uh, he put on some Roy Orbison Candyman, which, to be honest, creeped me out for minutes. But I said, "I'm just here to get my hair permed," and he said, "Permanently permed." And he goes, he goes, you know, I've been waiting to meet you. And I said, sorry, I know you're trying to give us a tour of this Broadway show. That I'll be getting through this backstory as quick as I can. But, I, you know, you asked about my hair and I wanted to tell. And she goes, I'm enthralled. So he put on Candyman by Rory Orbison. And I said, you know, I want to see where, you know. And he said, don't worry. Because I'm here to help you. This permanent perm is going to change everything. And I said, well, why? 
And he said, well, in another universe, you're gathering circumstantial evidence that a woman who appeared in the play, the musical Les Mis, is going to be the same person that writes the transcendent music of uh, the Anna and Elsa thing, Frozen. And he said, I don't know what you're talking I said, is that anything like The Little Mermaid? He said, like that, but better. And he he goes, one day you'll know what Adina Menzel means. And at the time, I didn't know what it meant. I still don't, because it's only 1998 or 90-something. 90, you know, but then he put me in a chair and, you know, science and mysticism and barbary and smell, you know, the stupid smelly stuff that makes a per- hair, hair curlers. They all came to get, you know, I can't talk much more about that night, but, you know, it wasn't just my hair that got curled. It was, you know, my toes were curled, but not in the, you know, toe curling way. But my, you know, it also curled the DNA within my follicles. So my hair is, you know, sperm is permanent. So it is my hair. And I can do this thing. It's called, I call it curl bounce. See that when I, I raise I raise it, and she said it's she said it's hypnotic, and I didn't tell her about the. But I said, but uh, I just wanted to let you know I believe in you. Uh, so whatever your dream is, uh, you know, don't you know in those moments, don't give up on it. Whether it's here on Broadway, or somewhere else, or you have some dream that has nothing to do with this. You know, keep at it, you know, you know, come at it from different angles, you know, change it around. And she, then she said, are you nervous about meeting uh, Cosette, the actress that plays Cosette or something else? And I said, I said, I'm going to meet the actress that plays Cosette. And there was a silence in the room. And he said, I thought I was just here to encourage you to follow your dreams. And, and he said, yeah, I do have a crush on cassette from the musical, but usually I don't meet the, you know, I said, this could be breaking, you know, this could be breaking the rules. Uh, and she said, I'm sorry, I couldn't. She goes, yeah, I was just watching your curls. Uh, you know, uh, she goes, it's like watching something under the sea, like seagrass or kelp or something waving. She goes, what do you, she goes, do you want me cassette or not? And I said, well, I guess I'm here. I said, is everything okay with the actress that plays cassette? And she goes, I think you're, you're like a, here, like a bridge over troubled waters. And I said, is there trouble here in the backstage of, uh, and then I noticed my parents had left with the, 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 I said, I think my parents left with that table. And she said, they have, they have, she, she goes, they did. She was actually, we were selling, you know, we were selling, we were selling some props and they bought that and left you here. And I said, backstage, left backstage at Les Mis, uh, in there's trouble, you, you say, because I said, these curls carry the power of Carol King. And I, I was, I said, this is like, a, I said, I guess I'm on a dual mission. I said, do you believe in yourself? Uh, and she said, I do. And I said, well, in the moments when doubt creeps in, Remember that you said you believe in yourself. I believe in you as a witness to your performance, a witness to your talents, a witness to your hard work uh, paying off on the stage, your ability to, to take the term stealing the show and throw it in the garbage because they should have never called it a stealing the show. 
because the only person that would say you stole the show is a fool. You made the show better. You made the show wonderful. And she blushed. And she kissed me on the cheek and she said, I think it's time for you to get a tour of. Uh, and he said, Well, I, read, I said, I don't know. He said, what's, what's, what's the trouble backstage here at Les Mis? And she said, are you familiar with the song Ohio by Neil Young? And I said, I am. He said, in the, he said isn't, is it in Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, too? He said, I like the Massey Hall version, and I know Carol King does, so I know we're on the right level here. What does this have to do with Les Mis and Cosette? And she said, well, sometimes uh, success doesn't bring the things we think it does. And I said, like, certainty? I said, because yeah, I, I can hear you on that one. And she said, well, some people are looking for different things than what you're searching for. And I said, well, before, before I said, I said, before I head on to this cassette-related m- m- mission, he said, I get a few qu- I said, you're going to believe in yourself. And, and I said, if you're the person, you know, to craft the next, you know, 20, 10, 20 years from now, you know, you, 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 you'll steal the show. You're, I said, we need you. The world needs music. So you believe. And she said, I, I, I'm, I'll move forward one step at a time. One night at a time here on Broadway, sometimes two. You know, when we do, if she goes, if I do back to backs, and I said, "Well, okay." So I said, "I said, can you bump, do a curl bump for me?" And she bumped my curls uh, with her elbow, and uh, she giggled, and she said, "I hope we cross paths again." And I, I said, "So I should just wander around the backstage changing rooms of Les Mis," and she said. Uh, she goes, well, let's do. She goes, well, maybe you're right. She goes, because uh, it's it's a bit lab, lab, labyrinthy, labyrinthy back there. And I said, you. And I said, Ohio. And she said, yeah, you have to figure out why you're here. I said, okay. Should have been. And I said, okay. He said, his cassette. Her ambitions are bigger than Broadway, aren't they? And I, I said, I, somehow, I said, there's there's something going on here because I can't even remember anything about Les Mis other than Jean Valjean. And, they, you know, the dude trying to go go get him. And I said, is there, was there was a cassette in love with, like, the general or something like that, or he was in love with her? I never saw, you know, one day in the future they'll make a movie about this that I haven't seen. And she said, she said, you're nervous. And I said, okay. I, I said, I said, uh, I'm trying to say yes. These girls help. I, I said, I think the whole thing about this, not only is this permanent, perm, perm, permanent, and, you know, uh, imbued with the spirit of Carol King and, you know, some sort of power, whatever powers are at the hands of Frank Sizzo, the barber. But I can also use it for self-soothing. I think that's the main the benefit it has for me because I can do curl bump. It says, see how I hold the uh, top of my hand and I just rub it on my curls every once in a while. That, that's another self-soothe. Then I do curl pet, which I, uh, I guess it's so effective I don't do it obsessively. So I just do a couple of curl pets at the top of my head. I pet my own curls. 
And then she said, are you still soothed enough to meet uh, Cassette? And he said, maybe we shouldn't meet. Maybe we should uh, cross paths. She said, uh, you're, you're, you're wise in your curls. And I said, well, it's, I said, Carol King, we'll probably count that one towards Carol King or Frank or Pavone's Pizza. And as we headed backstage, I heard the sounds of Bob Marley. Is this love playing? And I didn't know if it was playing within my curls or across the room. But then I saw the presence that I had seen on stage earlier that had captured my attention, had stirred my gut and stuff below my gut and my heart and my mind. It took me on an emotional journey, and now it was just, she was, just, she was I said, oh boy, is this love that I'm feeling? But then I decided to pause and really listen to Carol King. Like uh, these these songs, they say she's playing the classics right now. Share the shelter of my single bed. And I blushed, and then I looked back, and uh, the innkeeper's wife was gone. And I never, I said, I never caught her name. And then the actress that played cassette said, I'm sorry, what? I said, I never caught her name. She said, who? She said, are you the one? And then I stepped into the light and she gasped and she giggled. And then she said, you're a bit like a Curly Warhol. And I I, I, I sat, uh, I said, do you mind if I take, I said, I, I said, I'm taking a seat here. I said, yeah, I'm, uh, I've got a, I've got a, I'm not a billionaire, so I don't have an eccentric haircut, but it's idiosyncratic, my hair. I said, but I'm here, uh, you won't, you wouldn't believe this, but I, I think I'm here to help you. And she said, how so? And I said, I'm not sure. And she said, who sent you? And I said, well, it gets confusing, to be honest. I think, uh, a barber, of all people sent me to to help uh i said uh, he, he said well i'm just here he said i'm just here to help i i was you know i watched the performance tonight and my mind was blown and i don't want to make you uncomfortable but and i'm sure this happens to you a lot and it's probably not even fair but you know i was transported through all these emotions so i may be projecting it on you in, you know, like uh, some sort of, you know, romantic projection. I don't know what they call it. And she said to me, they called it starstruck. And I said, well, that's the right word. And she said, do you want to get a drink? And I said, I said, I'll go. Sure. And because this was a different life, I said, you know, okay, I'll join you. And then we went down to the playwright, uh, which was uh, which is a place I had been before. And we went into the playwright, and there were calls to her, and there was some hoots, and uh, you know, I guess word had got it. There was a reverse Warhol call, you know, to me, and I did curl, you know, did it, and, and, and because I was a different person. Uh, I was able to uh, 
it gets just less, you know, when, when you have a permanent perm in the power that that kind of brings, you know, the, the curls diffuse any self-consciousness. So I was, you know, I was, even if people were laughing at me, you know, I did, I was curl bumping and he said, what is this? Was this the power of people like Andy Warhol or what? I was just having fun. And she said, let's take a booth over here, Mr. Starstruck. And I said, it must be hard for you uh, dealing with star tr- starstruck people all the time. And she said, you know, it has its charms. And she lit a cigarette, just like you'd expect someone in this situation to light a cigarette would, except for one pause, one momentary lapse in confidence. They let me know I was still on a mission, you know, and that get to, to, to broke my, you know, broke the striking of the stars in my eyes. And let me know, to, you know, to do a curl twirl, which is another form of like both focus, refocusing and self soothing. And he said, well, you know, I'm here to help you. Uh, and I don't know if my star strikes uh, are going to do that. And she said, are you familiar with a song, They Can't Take That Away From Me? And I said, the great Broadway song, uh, they, they Can't Take That Away From Me? He said, I'm, I, guess, I guess I am familiar with that much of it, uh, that, that part. And she said, ever since I met you, it's been stuck in my head. And I said, is it the way I wear my hair? Or the way I sip my tea, and I took a sip of the tea that I had ordered. He said, I think you might be curl-struck. And she said, I might be. And she took a long pull of her cigarette with the fuzzy, fuzzy noise that goes with it. She looked away and let it out, because this was back in the day when you could still smoke inside, which was not that, you know, overrated, to be sure. And I said, is there something uh, within you? I said, okay, so I've been sent to help you. And she said, you've been sent to help me. And I said, well, in a generalized sense, uh, I mean, I specifically sent, I said, well, I think I'm here to help you. I don't know who else I would help. Uh, And it's always easier to help someone that you're projecting feelings onto like I am with you. And then I paused like that because then I got a little, I said, wow, holy cow. And she said, uh, they forget I'm not cassette. And I said, well, I said, I said, I don't think it's that. I think it's, uh, it's the power of music and the power. I said, yeah, I don't know. And then I suddenly, my face must have changed because she said, what's wrong? And I said, I, I said, I don't know, I'm getting some sort of interference. And she said, what kind? And I said, Carol, the kind that Carol King sends through my curls. I said, we need to get out of here. And she said, why? And I said, well, for some reason, the Doobie Brothers song, China Groove, was stuck in my head. I don't even know what that means. But I find I work best in these Carol King-related situations when we're moving. And she said, can I hold your hand? And as we walked out of the playwright and we turned down to Broadway, she took a hand, hold of my hand and she, you know, took a hold of my heart, but in a way that was uh, fair to neither one of us because she was holding the hand of a man with curls and I was uh, holding the hand of someone that had 
transformed into cassettes and carried me away. And she said, you look hot. And I said, it feels like I well, might as well be walking on the sun. Because, and that's also what Carol King, Carol King kind of told me to say. It. And I said, okay, is this like a Cyrano de Bergerac situation? And I said, maybe it is. Because uh, she had laughed like as She said, I feel like that too. And I said, are you trying to distract your... I said, I said are you familiar with... I think the movie was Roxanne when it was... Uh, uh, Steve Martin vehicle, and I said, "Cause like, uh, I said, I, th I think I'm supposed to help you. Like, like, is it like is you have some sort of like, are you heartbroken?" And she said, "Kind of, but not in the way you think. Not romantically heartbroken." And I said, "Well, maybe I could be your non-romantic uh, Cyrano de Bergerac." I said, "I'm not. I said I'm more familiar with Roxanne and Steve Martin, but I could be your non-romantic." Uh, and I said, but I guess if I, like, I, and this is even weirder, because if I'm in love with Cassette, but you're really just an actress, you're not Cassette. And I'm, I said, it's a lot of layers. And she said, no wonder. And I said, well, tell me more. And she said, well, it's my sister, Guinevere. And I said, okay. She, she said, I'll give you the long and short of it. And I said, I, I never understood what that means. So, so why don't you just give me the short of it, and then I'll, I'll make it long by asking a ton of questions. And I knew this was right, because Guinevere by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young was playing in my, within my curls, at least on a molecular level. And she said, you know, my sister Guinevere was the one who wanted to be on Broadway. And, and she goes, I did too, but she had dreamed about it before I was even born. And I said, she's your older sister, huh? She said, yeah, and she was the one who told me about, uh, she taught me about musicals and the love of people like Carol, she said Carol King and Ben Midler, and she said Cats, and and, 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 and she went, went on and on, and I said, what about Forever Plaid, does your sister like Forever Plaid? And she just looked at me like she was trying to tell if I was joking or serious. And then I said, I, I said, well, I've seen that face before. Uh, and she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's like the Beatles song. Uh, I mean, I've seen the face of someone confused by what I said. But I've also seen that face. I see you feel like you, he said, this is a hard thing about these uh, human relationships, huh? Like you, you feel like maybe your sister's jealous of you. I said, but do you, do you really know? And she said, well, we don't get along. And I said, has she ever come to see you perform? And she said, once, and she didn't wait around. And I said, wow, that must be tough on both. Just, she, she always dreamed about being on Broadway. And I said, what happened? And she said she couldn't. She didn't make it onto Broadway, not even in the chorus uh, not even in the chorus line. And I said, well, what does she do now? And she says, and then Carol King was one step ahead. And she says, stay up late. And I said, oh, boy, like, stay up late, like the Talking Hedge song. And she said, no, well, she, she says she works. Uh, she says she works at it. And we had been walking for a while as we'd been talking, still holding hands, still confusing for one or two parts of me because her hands weren't just clasped together. They were interlocked, finger against finger. 
uh, thumb against the soft, fleshy part of the thumb. I think, it, at least that's what my memory said, that soft, most vulnerable part of my hand her thumb was holding it. Then I did a curl slide, which, you know, was a little bit like I pulled my curl. Uh, you know, just like a little bit of snapping, you know, snapping me out of it, like a little pull on the old hair. And she said she works at a diner right around here. And they said, a New York City diner. And she said, well, she owns it too. Yeah, but she works, you know, no one wants to work this shift, uh, the night shift. And he said, it's, over, it's one of those diners. I said, oh, yeah, this is this is when I'm normally at a diner. I said, maybe any time between. He said, usually I like to hit it like about 445 if I'm at a New York City diner. You know, depending on how, you know. But I said, that was my other life in another universe without these curls. And he said, let's go to this diner and let's get to the bottom of the situation right now. This is why I must be here. They said, unless, you know, these breathless feelings I'm feeling are real. But I said, you must have to put up with it. And she said, yeah, I do have to put up with it a lot. And I said, you know, we could get to know each other after all this. Uh, and she said, to be honest, I'm not. She goes, she goes, you're too, she goes, you're actually too eccentric for me. And then, you know, then there's a whole quick deflation. And I noticed we were on, as we, we turned on to Amsterdam you know, of course, I thought of the Elvis Costello song, New Amsterdam. And so then I said, okay, Carol King wants me to have a new start. You know, don't get down. But we're still holding hands, so I was still confused at the same time. And she said, yeah, you wouldn't want to get to know me anyway. I'm the kind of sister that lets her sister down. And then the red neon signs of diner lit her face up because we were close. The silver... Paneling shown across the street. And they said, let's go in there and, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's see how your sister's doing. She said, well, one more thing you should know about my sister's diner. She goes, every night is Christmas Eve in my sister's diner. She goes, it's, I said, a theme to diner. And she goes, well, she goes, she goes, that, like, uh, that was when I got to roll Christmas Eve. And she, I said, oh, so she's, I said, then she bought the diner. And she goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, it was years later. And I never put it together because I used to come and, uh, you know, come to the diner. But she goes in the, she goes, because she plays like the uh, mistletoe disco band. And I said to Carol King, I said, the mistletoe disco band. like, And she said, yeah, and she plays music by them. And I said, well, I, I said, I love that. I said, that those are some of my favorite Christmas carols by the Mistletoe Disco Band. And then I could hear Oblong Sign or whatever playing. And she said, oh, it's Countdown to Christmas in there. And I said, so Christmas Eve, you got cast or you got the role of the role in Les Mis at a... He said, but that role doesn't come with a, a roadmap to stardom. It just comes with the burden of being star, dealing with starstruck buffoons. You know, no one gave you all the answers. No one gave you that role. I'm sure you worked hard. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that you're getting your talent nurtured there. And she said, sometimes. And she said, some people will eat you for breakfast. And I said, well, it's time for 
breakfast, you know, a breakfast meal at a diner. And I said, don't worry. I said, I can sleep. You know, these girls allow me to slip into many different roles anyway. So I said, let's go in. And, and the, the sweet disco sounds of the mistletoe disco band were playing. And I said, trail behind me. And I said, did somebody say it's Christmas Eve in here? Because uh, it sounds like it's New Year's Eve. And then a woman, she didn't just step out from behind the counter. She like slid down the counter on her elbow and she said, it's a countdown to Christmas Eve, Christmas, you know, she says Christmas Eve countdown. She goes, cause it's almost midnight. So she goes, it would be Christmas day, but we just reset to Christmas Eve again. And I said, sounds delicious. I said, a couple of cups of Joe. And I said, "This." I said, "Do you do you, do you ever have you ever thought about getting a Christmas disco ball in here?" And she said, uh, "No." And I said, "Well, you could get to, if you put it close enough to the Chris, Christmas lights. You maybe." And she and then she looked over my shoulder, and she saw her sister, and she went silent. But her lips didn't go down into a frown. They just went into a a straight flat line. And I said, thank goodness. He said, I'm so happy to be here. I said, your sister's been telling me all about this place. And she said, really? And I said, yeah, she, she knew your sister knows how much I love Christmas and the mistletoe. I said, what do you, do you just play the whole mistletoe? And then the track came to an end. It was midnight, it was past midnight. And she said, yeah, but she goes, she goes, now I'm going to put on. And I said, the uh, James Brown Christmas album? She said, maybe. And I said, well, Merry Christmas to you. I said, do you, do you have any gingerbread pancakes? And she said, I do. And I said, I'll take an order, like a, a quarter order of those, because I can't really hand I said, a full order of gingerbread pancakes is lunacy. And I said, have you ever thought about a, like putting eggnog in the coffee? And she said, sure, one eggnog coffee. And then she went back behind, and I said, well, what, what, I said, what about you? Uh, and I realized we were still holding hands, and uh, her sister walked off, and, and she said, the actress that played Colette, because Cassette said, uh, the song remains, and I said, the song remains the same, because uh, she said, and the, the Christmas, some Christmas song started, I don't know. Because I had to get back to Carol King and the task at hand. And I said, this is one beautiful diner. I cannot, I, I said, I'm starstruck in here. And she was working on my gingerbread pancakes and her sister reluctantly sat down. She pulled an ashtray over and she let go of my hand, you know, because it'd be hard to pull an ashtray and light a cigarette. Uh, and she lit a cigarette and she had to look around the diner. And she said, huh, you, you have mom's decorations up on the tree. And her sister was, you know, flipping my one pan, like one pancake, actually a quarter. It was an order of four, so it was like one and a third. And she was also making something else, and I couldn't catch what it was. But she said, yeah, those are mom's uh, uh, decorations. And Colette's cassette side. 
And she, the sister, uh, Guinevere, she said, well, what brings you around here? And she said, well, like you said, he's, he's obsessed with Christmas, too. And she said, I'm not obsessed with Christmas. I'm obsessed with making this diner a fun place to be. And she said, well, it's not fun right now with you. And then they had a silent stare down. And I said, well, wouldn't it be nice, uh, just like the beach, I said, the beach place had a Christmas. I don't, it wasn't very nice. I don't know. I don't want to say, but it wouldn't it be nice if uh, just this Christmas Eve, you two, let's shut the diner down. Because I said, there's no customers in it. And I went and locked the door. And I said, uh, he said, uh, wouldn't it be nice of you to just, and she said, well, I make your, your pancakes you're going to burn. And also I made her some, uh, some French candy cane, you know, French candy cane, French toast. And so she, and I said, we'll serve it up. I said, uh, he said, well, wouldn't it be nice if we get along this Christmas? And, and then I went to, I said, so this is your mom's decorations on this tree holds special memories for the two of you. I could tell. And I said, why don't you give me a minute? Uh, I've got an idea. And 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 I said, you two could talk or just, you know, cook silently and you smoke silently. And it took all the ornaments off the tree. And there was little Christmas boxes that, uh, I mean, it was was a giant pain. It took, like, I tried to, like, get the ornaments into wrapped Christmas stuff. And I said, well, that's not going to work. So then I, re- I said, oh, there's all those, uh, what are those things called stockings. So I was hiding the decorations around the restaurant and even shoving them, you know, in the like uh, the booth chairs, down down the chairs. And I said, I got to use the restroom because I had a sense. Uh, I said, can you use my pain? And she said, yeah. And I know she had served it at a booth with uh, my... Uh, eggnog and the candy cane things and she'd cooked herself something uh, also a candy cane french toast uh, and i said i'll be right back and I, you know my gut told me that somewhere nearby the bathroom was going to be a sand outfit so of course i found that in the storeroom closet and i put it on and then as i put it on uh, carol king said wilco side with the seeds and i said well, carol king you're throwing me off here and I said, side with the seeds. What does that mean? And I said, okay, don't overdo it. I, I took it as that. I said, okay, just throw the seeds and they'll grow. And so I said, okay, this is, this is even easier. And I went out and they were kind of sitting at the same booth across from each other. And I came out, I said, oh, you know, like, like uh, oh, 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 uh, but I, one gimmick I d- decided to use was that I didn't put on the wig. I put on the beard, but not the wig. So my, so when they saw me, they both looked at each other and burst into laughter uh, because my curls, like like my like uh, you know, dirty blonde brown curls were sticking out. Uh, so I looked, you know, went from looking strange to ridiculous, and I said, whoa. whoa, whoa. I said, well, this is a special Christmas, these two. I have been, you know, Santa has a special surprise because I know you two have worked so hard, so many different things, and you've had a couple of hard years here. And I've heard from both of you. I've been watching you both close, 
And I know that both your hearts are so full of love. But you know, Santa doesn't always tell kids this, but it's complicated being an adult person out here. Complicated being a kid. Not as simple as naughty or nice, is it? But I said, uh, you know, your friend Santa here is to fill this restaurant planted around the restaurant, we'll say. All the decorations for your mother's tree, and I'm going to be back at uh, midnight to uh, make sure that the uh, tree has been redecorated by both of you. And I know that, uh, you know, life's, you know, it's, you know, Santa knows, okay? And Santa's going to give you both a hug here. And I want you both to choose what comfort message you want. Did you say, oh, Santa never told you? But I'm sure you know ways to soothe yourself with your hair. And because Santa's hair is so curly, he uses a lot of different methods. So you choose, and could, could, could the actress that played cassette, she choose, chose to flick it with her, like a little flick. of, and, and again, my heart skipped, but it wasn't her, you know. And then she kissed me on the cheek. And I said, well, I'm never going to get over that. Like, I'm going to be heartbroken. And I said, Santa's heart is breaking. Oh. And then Guinevere, she chose actually the old, uh, she wound a curl up in her finger and then tugged it and then sprung it. And I said, well, tomorrow's Christmas, uh, so get that tree ready for Santa. And, you know, take a time to remember. And, uh, you know, it, it, you'll be, you'll be, you'll do great, you two. And uh, I mean, I said, Guinevere, maybe you and Santa could... Uh, you know, go go to a show sometime, uh, but you don't have to decide tonight. And they both looked at me and they said, "Who are you?" And you know, Carol King was there. She she did two who 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 songs in one night. And I said, "Who who am I?" Is right. They said, "If Santa doesn't return, you know, every time you think of the turn of a curl, think of it wrapping around." Your heart's in comforting you. And then think, well, geez, what can I do to say, hey, I need a little comfort. Hey, I'm dealing with starstruck dudes all the time. And, you know, I've got a diner. And I also have some dash dreams. We all do. Uh, you know, and then just give a little, your version of a curl bump, okay? Now get around and look around that restaurant. And get that tree decorated. And you'll find your ways. All right. And I set off into the New York night. The diner at my back. My heart left behind. With a projected version. So I guess like the, the like whatever they call that. Uh, Infatuation-esque. So not real. And I trotted off into the night. Just me and my perm. All right. Good night.